It's the Big Time Talker Podcast. Hey, everybody, I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for downloading. And we have new episodes every Tuesday available at Apple, at Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartMedia, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we've been spending a lot of time in Chicago this summer uh, for the American Library Association's annual conference and exhibition. That's where we're recording today's podcast from the Nerve Center, the big podcast studio provided by the folks of the Next Generation Indie Book Awards. Our Big Time Talker podcast is brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com. They are the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. We've got an award-winning author joining us for the podcast today. Her name is Lynn Aspen. The book is called The Dream Tidings of a Disgruntled Star Being. Life with a psychopathic brother. This sounds like serious stuff. Uh, It's called a quirky philosophical novel, and it is an award winner. The people who blurb the back of the book say they just loved reading your novel. I'm excited to read it, too, and I'm also excited to have you in the studio. Lynn, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Where's home for you? Vermont. And did you grow up in New England? No, I grew up in the northern part of Sweden. How old were you when you came to the States? I was 20. I came over as an au pair. An au pair? An au pair, yes. Very good. Yes. This book, um, it's an interesting title, and they say that you can't judge a book by its cover, but what people do is look at the cover of a book, and then they decide whether they want to crack it open. This book makes you want to open it up and see what's happening. Um, what inspired you to write this book? Your first one? Your first book? It's my first, it's my first novel, yes. Um, it was, I, I was working as a, a hypnotherapist and Reiki master shamanic practici- practitioner. Uh, so as a holistic practitioner, I came across a lot of people having different issues and it, a lot of time came down to letting go letting go of trauma, disappointments, heartache, or letting go of knowing how to deal with situations that they were in that were difficult. And so I was going to write a book to address those issues. Um, and it was, it was going to be a, a self-help book. Right. And then I was like, well, you know, I don't actually like telling people what to do. It's not how I like to be. I don't like people telling me what to do, so it's not how I learn. And I was, uh, I thought, well, I have to do what works for me, and so I decided to make it a novel. Uh, that way, you can just read it for the entertainment, or you can be inspired by it. So as soon as you crack the cover open, uh, and we're talking to author Lynn Aspen, who wrote the dream tidings of a disgruntled star being. It says this is a philosophical and metaphysical novel written in the visionary fiction genre. So you got to break that down for me. First of all, what does that mean? What is, what is visionary fiction? So visionary fiction is a new genre. Okay. But the idea is probably the original genre. It's, um, it embraces the spiritual and esoteric wisdom from the past. And then it, it assimilates and it makes it accessible for us today. Who's your target audience? And, uh, Who do you want to read the book? Well, I think I think actually a lot of people my own age, people that do have 
things they want to understand better. Not that I explain things, but just to think about how people act, people that are difficult to deal with, how to keep your sense of self in those situations, how to move forward. Um, but it's also, I think, for younger, um, for younger audience as well. Since this was your first one, and there are probably authors or wannabe authors who are listening now, um, you know, lots of folks say, oh, I've got a book in me, or they've been told you have a very unique story, you should write that book. I wonder if you have any advice uh, for them in terms of, uh, you know, challenges that you ran across in, in writing your first book. I think my biggest challenge was becoming an author. What do you mean by that? Um, managing my time. Um, you know, when you write, you have to give everything, your mind, your thoughts, your emotion, it goes to, to the character. Right. Like, I'm Claire. I give all my time to Claire. That's my protagonist. Um, and you have to remember to balance it with your own life. And not just your chores and your commitments, but have a date every day with yourself where you, you pay attention in the moment, you listen, you smell, you taste, you do what you enjoy. So you don't get lost in all of that, uh, in the other story, so to speak. And also, just the whole body to... Uh, sit. Sometimes you get you get engrossed in your work, and you're sitting there, and it's eight hours, and then you realize your shoulders, you you know, your neck. Go, wow, and, I can't believe I've been writing. That exactly. Long. You know, my husband would be out mowing the lawn, coming in, and I'd be more tired than he is yeah. just by sitting. Uh, so just just learning better habits, learning balance, and, and those kind of things. When you were doing your writing process, uh, I know a lot of folks who are very prolific writers, like. John Grisham, for example, who's written many, many very popular books, and, and he has a process where he actually keeps an office, and he goes in and has office hours, and then he leaves for lunch, and then he comes back and writes more mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Other writers will sit down with a word count goal. I'm going to write 2,000 words or 5,000 words before I get up. When you finally got into the groove, was there a certain system that you did in writing this book? Oftentimes, I would think of a question before I went to bed. And I would have pen and paper at the night table. And then at like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I would wake up. And I would, I would just be in that state, that hypnagogic, in between, sleep and awake. And I would be like, ah. And I would know. And I would just write it down. That was kind of my best time. It was like early. If I could be, if I could up and write 2 o'clock in the morning, it would be great. But that wasn't, I tried. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't sustainable. Uh, but yeah, early, early morning, I have my best inspirations. I like it quiet. I like the neighborhood quiet. Um, I sometimes wear these really heavy-duty headphones, you know, to block out sound. Yep, yep. Yeah. We could use those here with the, yeah, the coffee yeah. that's happening around us, right? Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to write your debut Oh, novel? gosh. It's embarrassing, but it took me over a decade. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of life commitments in there. Uh, and also, this is English is my second language. Um, and so Swedish and English are very similar. Um, they have a lot of similar words. And as I started writing, I realized that the same word could actually have had two meanings over time. Right. That I had no idea about. And I would look up a word and be like, oh, that's what it means. And I'd be like, gosh, what have I been saying all these years? And then I, started, I became a little paranoid. I started looking up every word to make sure I knew the right meaning of it. 
Did you eventually send it through an editor to have them give it one last look? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It's got to be an extra challenge with English being a second language and, and writing a book. Do you think that contributed to how long it took? I think so. I also rewrote it four times. Um, so I think there's that. But I think that... Four times. Four times I did. I would write it and I was like, no, this isn't honest enough. You have to be more honest. And I would write it again and I was like, no, I can still hear the storyteller. I need to be more honest. And I would just keep going. I spoke with an author it. who talked about that and talked about in writing his life story that it was difficult to not fictionalize it and not to polish it too much and not make right. him look like the, the, the hero of the story. Sounds like that all those things may have been a challenge for you too. You wanted it to, to get to the essence of what really happened. Right, right. I want to ask you about the subtitle of the book, Life with a Psychopathic Brother. What right. Can, what can you tell me? That sounds like a very difficult thing. Um, yes. <laughs> I think, though, and I'm not saying that my brother is a psychopath. Um, I want to make that clear. It is a novel, but I have had psychopaths in my life. Um, and, the, and the challenge with growing up with a psychopath is that it's not just him or her. It's the whole family that caters in one way or another to the psychopath. So your parents aren't just your parent, they're also the parents who are dealing with your sibling and the whole dynamics that come from that. It's I'm imagining as you say that like throwing a pebble into the water and there being ripples out from that. Right, right. So a lot of things are backwards. Um, you know, being kind is a disadvantage and those kind of things. When you wrote Clara, who's the, your protagonist in the book, um, how much of Clara is Lynn Aspen, and how much of Lynn Aspen is Clara? Uh, well, Clara came to a lot of wisdom. It's a lot of wisdom in the book, also a lot of humor. Um, I think humor is very important because humor connects the reader to the author sure. and vice versa. So I try to bring in humor in there. but. Um, what she gained took one year in the story. It, it took me 60 years. So you condensed it all I in can, there. Well, and the whole story is a different story. But, uh, and there are some very peculiar uh, experiences in there as well that are, for the most part, my own experiences too. When you write about things that are painful and difficult and involve real people... Do you go and talk to the real people who are involved? Even though you fictionalize the story and change some names and settings, do you go to them and say, hey, listen, just so you know, here's a book and there's some things. Do you have that conversation? Uh, no, because there's no actual people. It's more a compilation of people. And there's too much uh, that was changed. Um, a lot of it was also based on research. So there wasn't such a person to talk to. The way it's described is, is a philosophical and metaphysical novel of visionary fiction. It sounds like it would be um, something you really have to concentrate on. It's not a, a beach read, so to speak, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's not disposable uh, fiction. And yet, mm -hmm. when, when you do write a novel, you have to bring the reader along. You have to make it a page-turner. So how did you 
take care of both of those masters? How did how do you serve them both? How do you make it a an interesting read and yet get across this really meaty information? I my aim was to create layers, so you can read it just for the entertainment, or you can read it and sort of take more from it if you want to. You can read it as if Clara uses this idea of being a star being as a, as a way to cope, as a coping mechanism, or you can, you can read it as if um, everything is true. Uh, you can choose. It's up to you how you want to look at it. Um, I know people that tell me they've read it many times over and over again because oh, they, get, that right? they get new things from it. Uh, someone told me she read it five times and still cries at the end. So that was, that was rewarding to hear. What's next for you? Are there going to be more books either in this series or, or different kinds of books? The first one t- took 10 years. I don't know that you want yeah. uh, the next one to take another 10. No, I don't think another one would take that long. Uh, I think, um, well, for right now, you know, it just came out in February, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I do write what I call tidings. Which tidings are just uh, little thoughts, like one or two sentences that are combined with images, and I have it on my website, and they come out once a week, Um, just words of wisdom or things to think about. Can you see yourself writing one more book, five more books, (laughs) infinitely? Is this... Uh, well, as, a, as I you? was writing it at times, I was like, I will never do this again. And, <laughs> um, and then once it was done, I was like, is it really over? I can't. You get, it gets to be very, it gets to be a lot of fun, too. Sure. So I don't think I could give it up. I'll, I'll write something more. I don't know what just yet, but. Have you gotten uh, emails or letters from readers that, that really touched you and, and when the book touched them? I have, I have. And there was a book club uh, that it was, it was actually two book club. I think it makes a nice book club book, actually. And, uh, and getting their feedback was very rewarding. Lynn, I hope you're pleased that I made it through the entire interview without asking any questions about ABBA or Meatballs. <laughs> or, or Beyond Boy. Yeah, I left that one alone yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming in. The Dream yeah. Tidings of a Disgruntled Star Being is the book. Lynn Aspen is the award-winning author, and congratulations. Gee whiz, a decade to write a book. That's like birthing a lot of babies. <laughs> Thanks. Um, thank you so much for having me. You're it welcome. Was, if folks want to pick up the book, a lot I'm of sure fun. it's available online. Yeah. Uh, is there a website, social media? Can they um, look you up? Sure, lynnaspen.com. And I should note it's L-I-N-N. L-I-N-N. And And Aspen, like Colorado, it's a uh, dramatic book cover. It'll jump right off the shelf. The Dream Tidings of a Disgruntled Star Being from award-winning author Lynn Aspen. Our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast from Chicago and the American Library Association's huge convention at McCormick Place. For our show sponsor, speakermatch.com, I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can download new episodes of the podcast every Tuesday. Now, go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.